0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show and all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. We've got a great show for you today. National championship happened, so uh, we're getting pretty close to being into deep NFL draft mode. There's a couple of weeks of football in the NFL to go before we get too far into that, but we're going to start doing mock draft Mondays network wide along with our friends that do the Locked On NFL Draft show, the Draft Dudes podcast, all of them involved in the draftnetwork.com, so our partners there. We will be taking deep looks into mocks on Mondays. Especially on today's show, we're going to take a peek at the National Championship game and uh, as that pertains to the NFL, of course, a new hire we haven't gotten into yet. The Cleveland Browns have found their new head coach, Kevin Stefanski, former offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. And some Hall of Famers have been leaked, courtesy of my guy, David Baker, who we talked about before <laughs> on this show, uh, Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson. So we will get into all of that on today's program. Matt, let's start with the Cleveland Browns and their hiring of head coach Kevin Stefanski. And I thought the craziest thing about all of this is that the decision had not been made before Saturday when the Browns saw Kevin Stefanski's offense get completely shut down by what has now, we have learned, is this was the number two candidate in 49ers defense, defensive coordinator Robert Sala. So how do you come out of Saturday's playoff game hiring Stefanski over Sala if the decision hadn't been made yet. And those were your top two candidates.
1: Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in the Browns organization to get it right. And we'll talk about Stefanski specifically, but to your point, I'm going to give the Browns a little bit more credit than that and say Stefanski had to be the leader in the clubhouse going into that game. And if they're going to look at one game and make that the deciding factor, they're doing it all wrong. And Clearly, if they would have, they would have picked Sala over Stefanski. However, Stefanski's guys couldn't block anybody. <laughs> Does that mean he's a bad coach? <laughs> you know, I mean, there was a lot of talk of why do they keep running Cook into a brick wall? Well, I said the exact same thing. Well, yes, but the guys couldn't pass block either. So I'm not sure trust me, I saw it all year in Pittsburgh, you feel for the offensive coordinator when the you have no cards in your hand. I mean, you're at a poker table with a bunch of threes and sixes and stuff. I mean, you're not going to you know, do so well. And he was totally overmatched with his chess pieces against Salas. Um, so I'm going to give the Browns credit and a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and say they wanted him first and foremost. They must have. Didn't use that day as a... Barometer, and we're waiting for him to get eliminated.
0: Long time Vikings staffer, too. He started as an assistant at 24 years old in 2006. He's been with no other NFL teams, been with the Vikings all of that time, 2006 to 2019, moving his way up to assistant quarterbacks, coach, tight ends, coach, running backs, quarterbacks, then offensive coordinator, and worked under Brad Childress at the beginning, all the way through. The Mike Zimmer era. And what's interesting is he was one of the top candidates and maybe he was the number t- two guy last year for the Browns, which I think makes the biggest difference here is I think they are trying to revise history a little bit. And they're like, you know what? We, it was between it, Stefanski yeah. and Freddie Kitchens. We should have taken Stefanski then. Let's bring him in now.
1: Yeah, I do think that's their way of thinking on this, which makes me think they are very fond of him now for well over a year, of course. Um, that tree you mentioned that he came from isn't exactly judge coming from Belichick and Sabin. Not the most glorious thing, but I think one of the big allures here is analytics, that he is a very bright, analytically driven guy. We know the Browns, doing basically doing the hiring and having the most say now, are a very analytically driven organization or strive to be at least. Um, He was in charge of the Vikings offense that dramatically improved from last year, although let's not discount Kubiak's involvement in that as well. Um, They ran the ball a very high percentage of the time and were somewhat predictable. But I'm not going to necessarily blame him for that. That really seemed like that was an order from Zimmer, and that's why the changes were made a year ago that they wanted to run the ball more. So I would imagine that they will be a little more creative, a little more pass driven, throw to backs, you know, analytically driven, high percentage, high efficiency moves. I think it's good for Baker. I also think if you look over the past two drafts in Minnesota, O'Neal, and then draft in the center, Bradbury, that chances are the Browns and Stefanski will address that offensive line early and often in the draft and free agency. I think that's good news and needs to happen. So, I mean, it it adds up. I mean, I think I I see what they like in this guy. But here are my reservations, too, is – is he a leader of men? I mean, that we often have been, made the joke. You know, who's the adult in the r- room in Cleveland this past year? It, and is Stefanski that guy? You know, I mean, uh, maybe they should have went for the Rivera route or something like that, the McCarthy route, somebody that's been there, done it. And all this planning's wonderful, but if you fire him in a year. You gave you got no chance. Or if you fire him in two years, you gave right. you got no chance. You know, I mean, you better stick with it. And we say this every year, or every other year about the Browns.
0: On the surface, I, the the Paul DePodesta angle makes a lot of sense. And uh, an analytically driven head coach, I think, is or maybe not even driven, but just a mm-hmm. coach that acknowledges analytics. I think is important, probably to Paul DePodesta. So that makes sense. There, he's a young coach. Uh, some people say he looks a little bit like George Clooney. Maybe that helps him uh, earn some respect in the locker room. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, young guy is only going to be 38 years old next year uh, in his first year as a head coach. And on the surface, if you're running the football a lot with Nick Chubb and then working playoff play action off of that with Baker Mayfield, I think that's a nice little recipe. Just, you know, obviously there's a lot more to his offense than that. But just on the surface, that, yeah, I like that idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get it. I see what they see in it, but you better be patient or at least give them a chance to succeed. We'll see how that goes
0: for the Cleveland Browns. Can they get it going in the right direction? They've got some bullets there, and can he command that locker room I think is going to be the number one key to how well the Cleveland Browns do in 2020. And And can he develop Baker? Right, and there needs to be some development, and probably having an offensive-minded head coach is maybe what Tip the scales as well, because you needed that mm-hmm. for your young quarterback. And I totally understand that. And we've seen that from a lot of hires around the league. Do you think it's interesting that Josh McDaniels was not, according to those reports, one of the top two candidates?
1: I wonder if he wanted it. I mean, that, that's kind of the angle I think you have to take here is, did he really want it? Did the Browns want to give him total control, make him the mm-hmm. emperor? Yeah. So maybe one, of the, one or both of those things was the block there.
0: Let's talk college football national championship game, LSU over the Clemson Tigers, and some new Hall of Famers next. The number one pick in the NFL draft has been decided for a while as far as who's going to be picking there, the Cleveland Browns. And we saw the guy who was going to be in every single mock draft we talk about on Mock Draft Mondays here leading up to the draft, quarterbacking his team to the national championship, the LSU Tigers beating the Clemson Tigers with Joe Burrow at quarterback. Did you have any major takeaways from that uh, game just overall as a game before we talk too deep about Joe Burrow and some of the prospects maybe that are involved in that football game?
1: Yeah, there's a handful of things I want to touch on. But first of all, I just want to congratulate LSU, Coach O, Burrow, the whole university. I've heard people saying today that it's the best season in college football history. I mean, they beat... Bama, Oklahoma, Clemson, I think they beat Georgia. I mean, they beat, you know, all the SEC schedule and pretty much handily. um, And that Burrow might have had the best season in quarterback history at the college level. So, wow. I mean, I don't know if those things are true. I'm not a college football expert, but if it's even in that conversation, much congrats, very, very impressive team. And I do want to break down some different phases of and some of the players we watched last night, too.
0: Joe Burrow, number one. We had a conference call network wide to pull back the curtain a little bit, and Jake, who does the Locked On Bengals show, was you know he was getting ready to get excited for that game and getting pumped and getting ready to watch the national championship game, and and for the Bengals, the Joe Burrow train has been pretty important for their season, how they're feeling about the future of their football team, and someone made the joke about uh, him potentially breaking his hip, and I think it, you know it, <laughs> with the Tua thing and his <laughs> hip injury, and he was like, why would you put that out there into the world? But uh, Joe Burrow had a great game. His team won. He looks like the real deal. He, he, he limped a little bit in that game. Uh, there was a very minor injury. Uh, he showed some toughness. He's like, yeah, no, I don't even need to see the trainers. I'm fine. Let's go win this football game. So came out unscathed, not injured, and looking very good for the number one pick in the NFL draft. And as Clemson and LSU tends to do, there's a lot of other prospects in that game as well.
1: Oh, absolutely, and uh, he's phenomenal. Let, let's start with Burrow, obviously. I had a bunch of my Steeler buddies texting me last night going, boy, I hope the Bengals screw him up because <laughs> he's so good, <laughs> and he could really change the balance of power if, if he is this good in the NFL level. Toughness, like you mentioned, good athlete, good not great arm, great body for the position, but it's the mind. I mean, it's the, the feel for the game, knowing where everyone's at, the presence. And the accuracy is as good as I've ever seen. I mean, I, I found it funny and I didn't know this, but he wears nine because Breeze is his idol and he met him and now that he you know, now that they're Louisiana brethren, you know, I mean, that he's always looked up to Breeze, even though he grew up in Ohio. And Breeze is like the only one I can remember that's as accurate as this guy. I mean, not just completion percentage, but ball placement, putting it where the defender can't get it on a perfect spot. At any level of the field and with the anticip- great anticipation, he is remarkable in those categories.
0: Yeah, and, and bringing in Joe Brady and running that offense at LSU, I think was a big key. So you've seen a guy who's had NFL coaching experience running, you know, it's a college system, but it's an NFL system, too, and seeing him. Complete 76% of his passes when you throw the ball 527 times is pretty remarkable. I mean, the numbers when you start looking at him, and I remember last year with um, uh, with uh, uh, Haskins from Ohio State, 50 touchdown passes, and he's a first-year starter and 50. I was like, where are these numbers coming from? And then Joe Burrow comes this year, 76% passing on 527 yards, and he was averaging over 10 yards per attempt, so it wasn't just dink and dunk there either. And sixty touchdowns to six interceptions. I mean, these numbers are insane. His quarterback rating two hundred and two. It's figured. It's different than a NFL quarterback rating, where the a perfect rating is one hundred and fifty three point or one hundred fifty eight point three. So, but two hundred and two quarterback rating. I mean, these numbers are video game numbers. These would be if you were playing NCAA football before that franchise died back in the day. I used to like playing that college football video game, and you put up a, a season where you had. 5,600 passing yards and 60 touchdowns, your friends would be like, oh, this game is super unrealistic. And then we're there. We're here now.
1: No, you're right. Like, if my son was, you know, he makes his own Michael Williamson character on Madden, and I'm like, dude, he has a million touchdowns. Well, that's like what Burrow is right now. <laughs> uh, the only knock I see on him is, or you hear, is one-year wonder. You mentioned Haskins, but it's such upper-level quarterbacking, you know, mentally, accuracy-wise, like I mentioned, that those things don't worry me. You know, it's not like... Cam Newton came in for one year and was just more athletic than everybody else type of thing. You know, I mean, it's this guy is really, really developed. He's a slam dunk as a first overall pick, in my opinion. Um, two younger guys for LSU, Chase, his number one receiver. Phenomenal. Boy, he looks like a future first. And wow. Singletary, the, the corner, holy smokes. I mean, when... You have a target on Fulton, the future probably first round pick on the other side, and you're scared to death of the youngster. Is he going to be like a first overall pick, or, you know, corner? I mean, holy smokes, these two guys, these young pups are wow.
0: It's insane the 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 talent factory that they have become there, and seeing the young guys even overshadowing some of the the juniors on that team. You mentioned Fulton, and looking at the draft networks' most recent mock draft by. Ben Solak, who is one of the co-hosts of Locked On NFL Draft, and obviously Burrow number one, but Fulton top ten pick. He's he's got him really? going number eight to the Jaguars. Uh, Kalevon Chason, the edge guy from LSU, who is a super he was disruptive burst yeah. like a. He, He's he's the type of edge player that if you're looking for an outside linebacker in a 3-4 would just seem perfect because you see him ranging out in coverage sometimes but he's got that burst coming off the edge, and I think there's more to come as a pass rusher in the NFL for him. He's got him going number 11 overall to the Jets. Uh, there, was, there was multiple wide receivers in that game. Uh, Higgins, there's Grant Delpit. He's got going to the Cowboys at 17 overall, who's a stud safety. So from that game alone, you're talking about, A half dozen guys could be going in the first round of this draft. T. Higgins, by the way, 6'4", 2'15", has got him going to the Patriots at pick number 23 overall.
1: Not his best showing. He was a little dinged up, too, in that game. Um, Those corners had something to do with it. I mean, I thought a big story of the game was LSU secondary winning and winning big. Um, Three other guys I wanted to mention, though, is I really liked – I had a a specific Steelers eye on both running backs as a potential – Second, third-round pick neighborhood, and I like both those guys a lot. I mean, I know they're, quote, smaller backs, but they run hard. They're aggressive. They're thickly built. They have breakaway speed. They have some bell cow qualities, even though they're not 230 pounds and six foot tall. like both those guys a lot. ATN supposedly the one that should get drafted higher, but uh, I can see a case for either. Um, And I think you have to mention Isaiah Simmons. Holy smokes. You know, like – Last year, there was the Devons, Bush and White. The year before, there was Roquan and Van Esch and Leonard and Evans. You know, these what we called prototypical every-down linebackers for today's NFL, pass coverage dudes, None of them are like Simmons. I mean, Simmons runs better than all those guys. He covers better than all those guys. He's longer than all those guys. He can play the deep middle. He can man man up against, you know, Jared Cook. I mean, he is a monster. And you talk about chess pieces. I'll take that chess piece on defense all day long.
0: Yes. uh, The speed from ATN, excuse me, the speed you mentioned from uh, Travis ATN at running back earlier, but he's. And he's not—he's a little bit undersized, but he runs hard with that speed, and I think he's someone that you could get. I- Didn't get used a ton in in the passing game, more like screens and stuff. But I think he would be dynamic as a receiver if he continues to work on that part of his game, too. Got a lot better this
1: year from last in that department. He's improving, yeah.
0: I could absolutely see him sneaking into the end of the first round, even. And he might run really well at the combine. But I didn't even mention Isaiah Simmons. He's going number four overall in this mock draft to the New York Giants. And you talk about a modern-day linebacker. You nailed that one.
1: Oh, man, he is super impressive. I mean, he's got it all. Kind of Terrell Edmonds, who is my favorite of all those guys I mentioned that are already in the league. But I think Simmons is even faster, more explosive, certainly better in coverage and further along than Edmonds was, who was 19 when he came out.
0: Right, yeah, further along in his development. Edmonds was like you could see it and just unreal, untapped potential. But with Simmons, you've seen the development with all of that crazy physical ability.
1: Yeah, and I think we do have to mention Lawrence wasn't his best showing. Um, I mentioned that I thought his receivers lost the battle in the coverage, system you know, to LSU's cover men for sure. But I, from what I understand and what I've the little I've seen, there's no doubt that he's number one pick next year.
0: Oh yeah, so we're gonna see. Yeah, yeah, that was the uh, the the 2020 and the 2021 number one overall picks there, and it will be a scrum potentially to get him next year if some of these teams aren't able to get their quarterbacks in the 20. Twenty draft and uh, now he's got something to shoot for the trifecta of Heisman Trophy number one overall pick and national championship win I wonder if he can pull that off next year that that's something to shoot for along with 5,600 yards 60 touchdowns let's go
1: (laughs) right yeah I'm pretty sure Burrow's gonna pull it off
0: all right let's move along to the Hall of Fame we have two new members that have been leaked to us over the weekend and uh, uh, some nice stories some heartstrings were tugged Jimmy Johnson Bill Cower, Hall of Famers, next. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to EchelonFit.com to discover their EX1 Connected Fitness Bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, first responders, and elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And with the daily live and on-demand studio classes, right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L to learn more about their limited time, free Apple iPad exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. Man, some tears During halftime this week, during those NFL football games, and uh, Jimmy Johnson was surprised by my guy, David Baker, the guy that shows up, a large human being, shows up on the sidelines of games in white gloves and steals memorabilia. We've talked about this on the program before. (laughs) The father of former NFL offensive tackle, Sam Baker, and you can see where he got his size from. David Baker. He's I don't a know. Yeah, I don't know his exact title, but he's executive director or something like that of the Hall of Fame, and uh, he's, he's the big boss of the yeah, Hall of Fame, and,
1: I think, is his title.
0: And he he gets involved. It's like I, I was kind of annoyed by it when I saw him in the past, and I've I've learned to love him and seeing him show up with. He's almost like the reverse Grim Reaper, where he knocks on your door and it's like, oh, <laughs>
1: yeah. this is good news. Uh, we get to go. Get right, we yeah. get
0: to go to the Hall of Fame now. And, and now he's showing up on on set and making Jimmy Johnson cry, who's in turn making. Uh, Troy Aikman cried during the broadcast, and uh, pretty cool to see that happen. And probably a long time coming for Jimmy Johnson, who I think probably should have gotten in before guys like Emmett Smith and and some of the other Cowboys, in my opinion. But David Baker, calm down. It's not all about you. Getting a lot of FaceTime.
1: Yeah, Baker's like Santa Claus now. You know, I mean, like, oh my God. Right. (laughs) So happy to see him. Um, Here's my thoughts. First of all, that whole process, the way they did it with Johnson and Cower, I think was awesome. I thought it was a fantastic idea, very cool. You see the raw emotion. You knew exactly what was going to happen, especially the second time. Um, you know, it was no you know, Santa Claus comes walking in, and you you know you're getting you're not getting a lump of coal. But Cower was totally blown away by it. That was awesome. Um, I wonder. Does it help that those two have been in the media and are faces that we see every Sunday? I bet it does in the whole equation. Um, I want to talk Jimmy Johnson first, and I have some ties to both these guys because the year I was with the Browns, Butch Davis was our head coach. Campo was our second, there was our defensive coordinator. We had massive ties from the U and then subsequently the Jimmy Johnson, Dallas teams. And, Without question, all those guys knew who the man was, and it was Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy was revered, massively respected. I've kind of been on the ship that he should have got in long ago. Um, With all respect to Coach Campo, who was a really cool dude, if Jimmy stays there, they may have won four in a row or four in five years. I mean, and Jimmy – Much more, I think, you know, the Cowboys have changed a little bit. Jerry Jones was a new owner then. He wasn't the GM back then. Johnson assembled those teams. Johnson drafted Irvin and Emmitt and, you know, built that offensive line much more so than Jones did. You know, Jones now is considered the GM, but back then it was Jimmy's team. And building that team and winning like he did, I think he's an easy one.
0: Jimmy Johnson, the GM, is almost mo- more deserving than Jimmy Johnson, the head coach, yeah. with the way those yeah. teams were built. And I love hearing the stories about the trades that they made and how they got all those draft picks and uh, sort of swindling some some GMs around the league. And I, I can't remember who the players were, or all of the players were, that were traded away, but it was like... Um, well, Herschel Walker is the well, one that just jumps off. Herschel was the big page. one, yeah. And, and some of the. Did you the, see
1: him last night, by the way. He looks no. like you could he could handle thirty carries a game. Oh, still, Oh, gosh,
0: that guy is just a freak of nature. Like I don't, he really don't understand. Understand, uh, but so so some of the players he got back in in some of these trades, the big one being the Herschel Walker trade. The deal was that he could cut those players and then get a draft pick for him later if he decided he wanted to do that. And he essentially cut all these guys. Was getting back on the phone with these GMs, and he's like, "Hey, man, sorry, you know that deal we made." Uh, the stipulation was I could cut these guys and get the draft picks. Yeah, I'm cutting these guys because I want the draft <laughs> picks in. And yeah. amassed all these picks and all these players and put Troy Aikman and uh, Emmett Smith and and Mike Lervin together it's behind whole, the first offensive line. It's a totally line. homegrown team. I mean, the yeah, first I mean, they, offensive they line. All those guys, yeah. yeah. Completely homegrown, both sides of the ball. Offensive line, everybody's over 300 pounds. And then later, supplementing with talent from outside the organization, bringing in Charles Haley, bringing in Deion Sanders just so phenomenal the way he built that team. I think Jimmy Johnson absolutely deserving of being in the Hall of Fame, and he put all those people together. So that's why I say he almost deserved to be in in front of all those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, to some degree, yes. I mean, and I think the split with Jones hurt him because he only won two. But boy, he could have won more. And hey, how many guys that won two are not in the Hall of Fame to begin with? And you, we talked a lot about the GM side of it awesome you know i mean the the way that they went from rags to riches overnight i mean he took over a bad old team that you know landry had kind of run into the ground in his his, last years so i'm glad johnson got in an easy one for me
0: let's talk about bill cowher maybe uh, i'll just put it out there to you bill cowher hall of famer
1: I've always sided with no. Uh, I I mean, I'm sure people were shocked by that. What do you mean, Williamson? He's a stealer. And he's only one of three coaches I've seen in my lifetime here. Um, And I think he was a very good coach. One ring, a lot of wins, great defense, you know, didn't have superstar quarterbacks and got Ben early on, you know, early Ben. He didn't, you know, Hall of Fame version of Ben necessarily, But my criteria with it, and it kind of rolls into today's coaches, is I've often been asked by our listeners out of today's current coaches, Belichick aside, of course, who are Hall of Famers? And as it stands this second, and I think if Reed wins the Super Bowl this year, then he's easily in, but Carroll, Reed, Peyton, Harbaugh, Tomlin, I think are the five... That you can have a conversation about, you know, that are tier two. Did I say Carol? I think so. Of this generation, non Belichick potential Hall of Famers. And I've kind of sided towards, I'm not sure any of those are yes. And I feel like the Hall of Fame conversation should be is Jerry Rice Hall of Famer? Yes. You know, is this guy Hall of Famer? Eh, I don't know. Then he should probably leave him out. And to me, where I'm going with this is those five guys I mentioned, Harbaugh, Tomlin, Reed, Peyton, Carroll, I think all have stronger resumes than a cower. Is it a
0: situation where if you won a Super Bowl as a head coach, you're going to eventually get into the Hall of Fame? Is that where the criteria ends? Because I'm having trouble thinking of not. too many guys who won a Super Bowl that aren't in the Hall of Fame. George Seifert for the 49ers being one, but obviously he, um, he won –
1: Considered somebody
0: else's team, yeah, you know, it's, it's like
1: Campo kind of, but with,
0: yeah, with that, uh, that's a with little that Bill unfair. Walsh crew in 1989. Uh, getting the back to back that's an odd one back to back Super Bowls with two different head coaches for
1: the same team. Yeah, that is a little crazy. Uh, Flores is the other one from We're your same. area that keeps getting a lot of attention, and I think people think you know that was Madden's team, Al Davis was really in charge. Um, but he won two i think right and so Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know i mean i feel like if you win a super bowl that's not enough to get you in and tower did more than that but i think if that level of coach is consistently getting in it waters it down a little bit i mean he's not a walsh a gibbs a parcells let alone a belichick you know so i mean i look at the coaches kind of like this like there's those tier one guys are Walsh and Belichick. The tier two guys are Parcells and Gibbs and awesome coaches that are no brainer hall of famers. And I'm not sure cowers, even a tier three guy.
0: It goes back to your point about, you know, who's your PR team. Are you on mm-hmm. TV all the time? Cause that absolutely helps you. And it, the, the hall of fame we've talked about this before and this is why i'm not a big fan of the hall of fame and and the politics that goes into who's getting voted in and i think the hall of fame is a very personal thing like who's in your own personal like for me roger craig's a hall of famer and so he's mm-hmm. not in your hall of fame so screw your hall of fame i like my hall of fame better and you know whoever in your own mind is the is the deserving ones i think that's what's most important and you don't need the validation but it's so important for the guys who actually do get in and get validated so i understand all of that but The Hall of Fame is only as strong as the line that is drawn and the people that are kept out. So if you have really good, because it's not the Hall of Fame, it's it's not the Hall of really good, it's the Hall of Fame. If you have people who are really good and had very good careers who are not in the Hall of Fame, that just strengthens the guys who are in. And to me, it's like if you have to have a conversation, if it's really iffy, if a guy should be in or out, then you don't put him in. It it should be a slam dunk. This guy is a Hall of Famer and there's no doubt.
1: Yeah, that's my criteria, too. Like, when you say the name, I just go, yep. You know, like Terrell Davis to me was a, "Eh," and he got in. Yep. And I don't mean to, you know, cut on the Hall of Fame at all. And it is year 100, so they're doing some cool things this year. But it's actually a very weak class. (laughs) And the the class, when it's all said and done, is going to be much larger than usual to me, is going to be littered with guys that are all very good. And I just want to throw this out there, too, is for – we've been doing this podcast now, what, like four years, and there's a week every late July, right before camp opens, that I vanish. I remember last year, you guys filled in for me, and we had different hosts all week while I was on that family vacation that I left. Well, this year, it's almost a guarantee that the Steelers are going to play in the Hall of Fame game. Towers in, I think Troy absolutely will go. I think this is going to be Fanica's year, and I think Donnie Schell has a chance to be one of those veteran committee guys. So they've pretty much already told the Steelers, get ready to play in Canton. And the other reason I'm saying that is because that means Matt is not going on his his vacation. (laughs) The fam is going without me. Camp opens two weeks earlier this year. I'll be living in the dorms two weeks more. So there you have it. And there's also a good chance the Steelers are now going to be on uh, hard docks too. So woohoo.
0: Can we get the Williamson family vacation in June instead?
1: No, it's the same week. Every year we go to this YMCA camp that you go week six every year. You see the same people. Maybe I'll be able to go one night or something, but it directly affects me, to say the least.
0: Well, who knows? Maybe someday, big old Sam Baker will be knocking on our door, letting, letting us know that we're in the <laughs> new podcast wing of the NFL Hall of Fame.
1: Right, right. I mean, Jay and I talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks or last week or whatever. But uh, longtime podcasters and sure the Locked On Network would be a part of it.
0: Absolutely. All right, we're out of time here, Matt. Good stuff. Let's do it again. Tomorrow, right here, Locked On NFL.